from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, the champagne cork cannula. So uh, when the cannula is released, there might be uh, direct injury to the ocular surface uh, that is uh, facing the cannula or there might be indirect uh, injury from deviation of the cannula to another structure. First this, the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Rumelt declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. No single department of ophthalmology has the best lectures in every field, Open Ophthalmology is a meta-school in which lecturers from different departments have access to ophthalmology residents everywhere. I've seeded this marketplace of ideas with my own course on clinical optics. Who's your department's best lecturer? Let me know and come visit us at openophthalmology.com. Open Ophthalmology. Let a hundred flowers bloom. The piston compresses the contents of the cylinder, raising pressure to a critical point at which the projectile is released. A description of an air rifle? A nail gun? No, I'm describing the instant before the cannula flies off the viscoelastic syringe, perforating the posterior capsule and impaling the retina. Inadvertent cannula release is an infrequent and potentially serious complication of intraocular surgery. Shimon Rumelt has published a review of this complication, and I'm delighted to welcome him as my guest today. How common are intraoperative complications during cataract surgery by phacoemulsification? Um, the, the outcomes of uh, phacoemulsification have really improved in the last uh, 20 years. Um, we find that uh, 93% of the population gain uh, visual acuity of uh, 2040 or better, and uh, the complication rate is about um, 10%, I would say, um, approximately um, in the past, let's say in, in 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, uh, it was um, about 10% uh, a capsular tear and uh, 5% of vitreous loss, or maybe a little bit more. And now uh, the numbers have decreased. And according to the literature and our experience, uh, the rate is about uh, 7% of uh, vitreous loss in the capsular tear in uh, residents' hands and 2% in um, senior hands. Shimon, describe inadvertent cannula release. What happens during one of these events? Um, we found that um, inadvertent uh, cannula release occurred in um, nine uh, patients out of uh, 10,230 cases of anterior segment surgery. Uh, that means um, 0.88 per um, one surgery per year, which is uh, rather rare, but can happen. And I would think that uh, many um, anterior segment surgeons encounter this problem at least once in their um, career. 
Can I have you describe what you're talking about when you say inadvertent cannula release? Um, the problem when uh, the cannula is released is a direct um, injury to the hard um, tissues of the eyes. And that means that uh, a, where whatever is a structure that is uh, facing the cannula and may be injured. That means that it can be the in corneal endothelium, the anterior chamber angle, and the major iris cycle, the iris itself, the uh, intraocular lens if there is inside the eye, or the anterior vitreous phase and the posterior capsule, and uh, include also where the retina may be involved. So what we're talking about here is in the context of surgery, when the surgeon is administering a viscoelastic agent or saline uh, through a paracentesis or through the, the, the main wound, uh, as he or she is injecting this material, suddenly the cannula flies off of the end of the syringe. Right. When the cannula is released, there might be uh, direct injury to the ocular surface uh, this is, that is uh, facing the cannula, or there might be indirect uh, injury from deviation of the cannula to another structure. Shimon, what did this study seek to investigate? Uh, we wanted uh, to um, investigate uh, the incidence of inadvertent cannula release uh, during uh, anterior segment surgery. That means cataract extraction, um, penetrating keratoplasty or triple procedure, and, and um, trabeculectomy. And we wanted to investigate the setting in which um, these uh, releases occur and to describe the spectrum of the injuries and uh, to propose preventive and treatment uh, measurements. Um, we found that um, out of the nine cases um, that occurred, um, uh, three of them occurred during um, penetrating keratoplasty or um, replacement of uh, corneal graft. Uh, and those three cases uh, occurred when uh, viscoelastic agent was used to um, cover the surface of the high iris diaphragm before placement of the corneal uh, button. Uh, this, um, the viscoelastic agent was uh, placed uh, to um, uh, protect the iris, but um, really the cannula uh, was released and in uh, two of in all three cases the posterior capsule was ruptured and vitreous loss occurred and the two in two of these cases um there was uh, injury to the macula and in those two um cases um uh, the visual outcome uh, was uh, poor uh, counting fingers uh, because of uh, late scarring in two of the patients and in one of them uh, the formation of epiretinal membrane. In uh, the other six cases, other six cases, 
occurred uh, during cataract extraction. Uh, one of them um, during FACO and the other during uh, extracapsular cataract extraction. Uh, so they comprise the 0.07% of the entire cataract um, surgeries. In those cases, um, the uh, cannula that was released was actually a cannula that was um, attached to irrigation uh, solution. That means BSS. In uh, one of them, of the six cases, uh, the cannula was released during uh, hydro uh, dissection. Two occurred during anterior chamber re-establishment or filling the anterior chamber with uh, BSS. And three occurred during hydration of the paracentesis. That means that actually release of the cannula can occur in any stage uh, of the surgery when uh, cannulas are being used. Did the material being injected play any role in the injury? Um, if the material that was being injected was viscoelastic or saline, did the cannula tend to fly out with more force uh, if it was one material rather than the other? Um, we expected actually that um, because of the higher viscosity of the viscoelastic agent and the more tendency to block the cannula, there will be more uh, injuries or more uh, release um, cases um, during the use of uh, uh, viscoelastic cannulas. But we found that the differences between those and the irrigation uh, cannulas were um, marginal. The p-value was 0. Uh, one eight. So uh, probably with um, more cases, uh, there might uh, be a difference between um, the irrigation and the viscoelastic cannulas. There is uh, theoretically higher risk for release with the viscoelastic um, cannulas, as I told you, because of the higher viscosity and the um, chances of uh, the cannula being blocked by these uh, materials. Do you think that these sorts of events are really as infrequent as your data suggest, or do you think that this is being underreported? Uh, first of all, um, surgeons uh, do not, uh, uh, are not very enthusiastic uh, to publish uh, complications. And the other thing is that there are uh, some um, medical legal programs that may be related to uh, such publications. So um, there are only two reports about, two, uh, two case reports in the literature about the releasing of uh, cannula during uh, uh, ocular surgery. I would expect that uh, the incidence is uh, as we described in our study, it's uh, rare, but it's not uh, completely um, uh, absent. And the uh, surgeon that uh, does a lot of surgeries may encounter uh, this complication or may be evidence to it um, if he's attending or ha assisting another uh, surgeon. Mechanically, what is going on when the cannula is released from the syringe. Uh, in, in the paper, you discuss things like the viscosity of the material uh, 
in, injected and, and the, the, the cannula length. And, and I'm wondering if you can just sort of flesh that out a little bit for us. Fine. Um, we think that the uh, three main factors may be related to inadvertent cannula release uh, during anterior segment surgery. And those are um, uh, insecure attachment of the cannula to the syringe. This is one factor. The second factor is a forceful injection of uh, the material or the agent into the eye. And the third factor is related to the designs of the ophthalmic instruments or the cannulas. So um, the things that are um, influence the um, resistance to flow are the length of the cannula, um, uh, resistance uh, to um, uh, flow through the cannula according to Bernoulli law is directly proportional to the length of the cannula. As, uh, as uh, longer as the cannula is, the resistance increases. And also it is inversely, inversely proportional to the diameter. So if the diameter of the cannula is increased, the resistance decreases. And um, those are two uh, uh, factors. Additional factor is the viscosity. As the viscosity of the material increases, um, the resistance also increases. So we have to consider all these um, factors when we design um, cannula to be used uh, in ophthalmic surgery. And um, um, the American Society of uh, Mechanical Engineering have set up certain criteria to build instruments for mechanical use and probably they should be also be applied for um, use in ophthalmic uh, surgery uh, instruments. Shimon, what are your recommendations for avoiding an intraoperative projectile cannula? Uh, first of all, the surgeon should be aware that uh, there is uh, such a potential ha hazard and that uh, cannula may be released during surgery. So if the surgeon um, is aware of this uh, problem, he would um, take the precautions that are needed. And those are first to use um, the instruments properly as they are um, uh, designed and um, manufacturers uh, instructed to use them and not to um, use uh, instruments that are not um, fit for a certain or for proper um, or certain uh, use. And the second thing is um, is to secure all the surgical instruments, including uh, the cannulas uh, to the syringe and. Um, Usually the uh, assistants or the nurse secure the instruments, but the surgeon must uh, double reassure that uh, the cannula is uh, well attached to the syringe. Uh, another thing is to uh, use a lower local uh, syringe. And this is very important because for um, all um, uh, cannulas, there are uh, syringes that uh, have um, a screw mechanism, a lower locker, and this uh, increases the safety of uh, injection. 
Uh, another thing is to advance the material to the tip um, of the cannula outside the eye. Uh, this reassures that the cannula is not blocked. And also hold the base of the cannula when uh, you inject uh, the material and inject the material slowly and uh, gently so you won't build uh, high pressure inside the cannula. Also, it's important when injecting the materials to avoid the pointing at the posterior segment or the posterior capsule. And there are differences, we think, um, in the severity or um, the type of the injury that are probably related to the wound construction. And that I can speak with you about it later. Another thing to prevent uh, problems is always to wash out the um, viscoelastic cannulas after use, uh, immediately after use to prevent any blockage. So those are uh, basically the recommendation to prevent this complication. In terms of the wound construction or, or the, the type of wound uh, through which the material was being injected, did you find that the wound directed the cannula um, towards injury in particular parts of the eye? Yes. When we do a penetrating keratoplasty, the surgery is usually open sky um, penetrating keratoplasty. So the posterior segment is exposed completely. Um, in those cases, there are uh, higher chances for inadvented uh, cannula release uh, into the posterior segment uh, breaking the posterior capsule, causing vitreous loss, vitreous hemorrhage, and uh, uh, retinal contusion and even retinal break. Uh, in uh, phacoemulsifications, on the contrast, the um, wounds are facing the anterior chamber or the anterior chamber angle. And that's why um, most of the injuries are, uh, in the, uh, are to the anterior segment structures. And those um, injuries are usually reversible. Um, as I told you before, in um, a seven of the nine patients, visual uh, outcome was 20, uh, 40 or better, or up to uh, 2020, uh, because the injury was reversible. Only in two cases where there was um, damage to the macula by the cannula, the visual acuity was uh, counting fingers. So um, the construction of the wound probably has some um, uh, influence on the uh, risks for um, more um, serious complications. In um, um, trabeculectomy, we have not seen any release of the cannula, and this is maybe related to the fact that they are less used during the procedure uh, than in cataract or um, penetrating keratoplasty. But also we had um, uh, lesser um, number of those uh, cases. We had only 422 uh, patients underwent trabeculectomy, and none of them had um, any release, um, any release of uh, cannula or injury by cannula. But uh, we had um, um, 83 
118 cases of cataract extraction and 1,490 cases of penetrating keratoplasty or creeper procedures. So we think that, the, as I told you, the construction of the wounds is related to the complications from inadvertent cannular release. Shimon, is there anything special that you do in your own practice to avoid this sort of complication? Despite all the measures that we take and we are, go- we are um, transforming to lower lock uh, uh, syringes, uh, always um, I use the same um, things that I suggested and um, I'm holding still the cannula to its place even uh, with the, uh, when you um, screw the cannula well to the um, syringe, uh, things can happen. Even with the um, viscoelastic cannulas that are always have um, lockers, uh, we had three um, inadvertent release um, uh, occasions. So I'm still holding the base and um, it's very important in uh, all uh, the steps of the surgery and in cataract, especially when you do the uh, iteration of the parasynthesis because you inject um, the fluid through um, a high resistance trauma. So um, I think that uh, uh, there are um, chances, higher chances that it will be blocked by the stroma and uh, will be released. So in those uh, instances, I especially take care um, to uh, hold uh, the base of um, the cannula when I'm injecting. Shimon, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Since the uh, end of the study, uh, the study was conducted for uh, 15 years, between 86 and 2000. So since 2000, until now, we see less... Um, inadvertent uh, events, um, but still we have encountered uh, three during these uh, seven years, and uh, uh, I had one of them, unfortunately, um, not a while ago. It was a perfect surgery, uh, cataract extraction after trauma, uh, traumatic cataract extraction, and on the last situation of the parasynthesis, the cannula was released. Uh, despite it, it was aimed to only to the stroma and to the cornea. It um, uh, really entered the eye and indirectly hit the uh, capsule, the posterior capsule, and there was vitreous loss. So uh, this can happen, and it's very um, uh, very striking event. Um, uh, the surgeon remembers this um, kind of thing uh, for many years after uh, the surgery. Uh, so everything should be done to to prevent this um, from occurrence. Shimon, when you encounter this sort of complication, how do you manage it? So um, uh, most of the cases are... Uh, the complication is uh, reversible. If there is corneal edema, you can give more steroids. Uh, if you, there is ephema, ephema, you give also uh, topical steroids and cycloplegic if there are um, pains or you to prevent uh, synechia. 
the most um, problematic uh, complications are, of course, if you have um, tear in the anterior in the posterior capsule and the vitreous loss. In those cases, uh, we suppose and we do um, anterior uh, vitrectomy. And this we do also if there is vitreous hemorrhage and we rule out any um, break to the retina uh, by indirect ophthalmoscopy and if it is not possible with ultrasound, but it's very important to rule out any retinal break. If there is a retinal break, we um, do laser barrage to prevent retinal detachment. There is no case in the literature so far about uh, retinal detachment that occurred um, after inadvertent release of a cannula. There is, however, uh, one single case report about a retinal break without detachment that was treated successfully with a laser, uh, argon laser barrage. So, um, this is the how you uh, deal with the complications and if you have enough um, remnants of the posterior capsule of course you can uh, place a posterior uh, chamber intraocular lens you can put it uh, in the sulcus or um, even in the back but usually you put the, it in the sulcus Shimon Rumelt thank you so much you're most welcome you're most welcome Shimon Rumelt is senior ophthalmologist at the Western Galilee Medical Center in Naharia, Israel. His paper, The Spectrum of Iatrogenic Intraocular Injuries Caused by Inadvertent Cannula Release During Anterior Segment Surgery, appears in the July 2007 issue of Archives of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Rumelt or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States style area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.